0: Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is, as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis, from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. Hope you uh, hope you're doing well this morning. It's good to see you guys. If you're here visiting with us. Uh, my name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor here at FCC. We are entering into week three of our study on uh, Holy Spirit, the role that God's Holy Spirit plays in our lives and plays in our world around us as well. We, um, we've we taken the first two weeks. If you've not uh, caught those, this, this is a study, this is a series that uh, will be building upon itself. So I would encourage you that if you've not caught one of the first two, Go back on our church's YouTube channel. Uh, We have a Vimeo channel as well that you can go back and see those. uh, On week one, which was Easter Sunday, we looked at that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells uh, inside of us and that uh, we as believers play host to. Um, We looked last week at the person of Holy Spirit the way that that plays out in our lives, the, the gravity, so to speak, of us being the place as believers where heaven intersects with earth, that we are hosting the very presence of God, which, uh, which is really just a very humbling, yet very powerful and empowering thought, as we saw out of Scripture last week. We're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit this week. Probably something that most in the room are at least somewhat familiar with. Um, you know, if you're of a certain age, then you either grew up with or you had children grow up with the concept of the veggie tail songs, right? Of the fruit of the Spirit. Really kind of wanted to show that this week, but I, I resisted the temptation. We're going to be looking at maybe a, the fruit of the Spirit, maybe a little bit differently. Than what we normally would, uh, because there's nine elements of the fruit of the spirit that we see, and we're going to go through those. Now we're not going to go through them point by point because, honestly, we could spend a year in each one of the elements of the fruit of the spirit. So, so we're not going to do that, but we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper into our hearts and what God has shown us through Scripture. The first question that I kind of want to ask, or the first thing that I kind of want to bring to our attention is the the concept of living in light of eternity. Uh, I asked a little bit in our Facebook group this week here at the church of what does it mean to you when you hear this phrase, you think about this, and there was a few responses. And I kind of want to challenge our hearts this morning to do a little introspection into our lives and, and really ask ourselves and be honest with this concept of are we living in light of eternity, or are we living in light of the here and now? And one illustration that has I know has been done in, in the ni- almost nine years that I've been here at this church has probably been done about 72, 73 times uh, in that time frame. And one of them you may be familiar with is, is an example, an illustration that Francis Chan does to give us a little bit of a concept as to the amount of time that we're spending here as opposed to the ratio of eternity. And I'm going to use it again. I, I, it's just, it's that powerful of a visual representation. And uh, I'm going to break out the chains again. I want to tell Kelly Blodgett that it's okay. He may have a little bit of trauma where this is concerned, because the last time that we saw these, uh, I ended up wrapping him up in these. So um, easy, Kelly, I'm not going to bring you back up here. So, But if we stretch this out, and I mean, this is falls far short of any type of real appropriate representation of what eternity is you know we've got all of these links of chain coming here and they're just continuing to flow and continuing to fall and continuing to come about and then we get to this last link in this chain and i've taken a piece of duct tape right carter county eastern kentucky what else am i going to use right like underneath there is some bailing wire and some J.B. Weld uh, to hold it into place. So, you know, we're, we're good to go. But this section that I have taped off right here, that represents the amount of time that we have here on earth. And speaking quite honestly, this is not even close to being to scale, but it will at least give us some concept, some idea of what we're dealing with. And what we are tempted to do what we're kind of raised to do and trained to do throughout um, our childhood throughout the education system and and it's understandable so don't think i'm trying to be a detractor here to this I, i understand why we do it but there is so much emphasis that's placed on this chain link right here It's like we're going to spend this much time in school while we're here. Then we're going to spend this much time in maybe college or preparing or in a trade. Then we're going to have this much time in a career. And then if we're really lucky, this last part of this section is going to be a time that we can enjoy retirement. And everything, every energy, every focus, everything that we value seemingly goes into this, but what God's Word tells us is it's this the rest of this chain link that we need to be living in light of. We need to be focusing our life on all of these things. And I'm not saying that school, that your career, that retirement, that relationships, that your family, I'm not saying these things are not important because they are. But understand, here's the most terrifying thought to me about this illustration. Understand this, that it is what we do with this time right here that determines where we spend the rest of that time there. That should be a sobering thought for us this morning, because it's easy for—listen, Kim and I are facing a decision in our lives. Now, that's nothing drastic. I don't want to alarm anyone, but we've got to make a decision here, and it's probably going to have to be made pretty quickly. And you know what? It's like, we have entered into this season of sackcloth and ashes, Right? It's like there's this season that may affect the next couple decades in our lives. And, oh, Lord, you've got to—we're not fasting. Don't get that crazy on me. <laughs> but we've, we've got this decision that we're making, and it's like all of a sudden we're just like hyper-focused in on this thing, right? And any of you are graduating from high school in here, you understand like you've got this hyper-focus that you've been having for like a couple years now. About it, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And to be honest with you, you have no clue what you're going to do. And it's okay. It's okay. But we put so much stock into these decisions that we're making here. You know, and, and I kind of, I, I, I thought about this as I was thinking about living in light of eternity. How many of you in here grew up in any of the shades of like the Cold War era? Like, late 50s, 60s, 70s, end of the 80s. I mean, you kind of remember that. You know, putting all of this effort and energy into making these decisions and just uh, absolutely living in turmoil over these things and putting so much gravity on on temporal, earthly, fleshly things, it's kind of, I liken it to the equivalent of, you know, what was going to save us from a Russian nuclear attack? It's going to be a really thick algebra book right when we climbed under our desks at school do y'all remember those drills we, we had them I'm not kidding you it's like we would have these drills that man if 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 the Russians were going to be attacking us with a nuclear bomb the best thing you can do is take a book crunch underneath the desk and put it over your head it's going to save you and I thought that's kind of the same thing as like listen I see kids asking parents like is he lying no I am not lying to you And if you couldn't get under your desk, you went into the hallway and you did that. It was foolproof, foolproof. But it's kind of the same thing as we, if we're trying to prepare for our eternity by these fleshly temporal things, it's like what's going to happen, you know, we're putting a book over our head and and kind of hunkering under a desk. I believe that there's a reason that Holy Spirit is is moving in our congregation right now is heightening our awareness to his role in our lives and listen past couple weeks you all have been so incredibly encouraging to me you've you've gone out of your way you've made calls you've sent messages you have visited in here at the office and you have just encouraged me about these past couple messages and and I, i listen i'm not going to try to act so pious and so humble that i don't enjoy that i love that i love that but make no mistake what i'm speaking to you now and for the rest of this series is not every sunday for that matter is not for you to laud me or to speak highly of me in the grand scheme of things i'm saying what i'm saying up here and presenting to you so that our hearts can be transformed so that our lives can be redirected i yes i love when you encourage me that's you know the gary chapman five love languages one of mine is words of affirmation and i absolutely hate that about myself all right, I hate that. That's who I am. So I love that, but at the end of the day, what you say back to me in response to my message is irrelevant. What, what is really relevant, what is truly important, is that you leave here differently than what you came here. That the Holy Spirit has illuminated something in your heart, in your life, and it's caused you to see something that was there that either was a dysfunction, a, a deficiency, or it was something that you needed to do better, you needed to stop doing something. That's what Holy Spirit does in our lives. And this morning, I'm going to ask you if you'll turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and here's where we're going to look at the fruit of the spirit this morning we're going to look at it from in light of eternity and we're going to maybe see where our focus has been just a little bit galatians chapter 5 and we're going to be reading a couple verses um, and then kind of going back and forth a little bit galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 but the fruit can everyone say fruit fruit understand that it's saying that it is fruit not fruits this statement here is made in the singular so the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control Against such things, there is no law. Nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit here. How many of you feel like all nine elements are visibly evident in your life? Right? Right? It's like, okay, all right, all right. Love. Yeah, I love people. Yeah, (laughs) I love people. Love me some people. Okay, all right. Maybe I got love. Okay, joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Yeah, I get no backup here, okay? I get no backup. It's okay. I appreciate those that made the effort. I really do. Peace, right? Yeah, we're all full of peace. Patience, patience. (laughs) I'm just going to gloss over that one. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, there are certain things that I read sometimes throughout the week in preparation and study for my messages that, uh, that kind of make me sit back against my chair just a little bit and kind of, you know, have one of those oof moments. And I had one of those this week as I was reading about the fruit of the Spirit, and a gentleman was pointing out his thoughts on why there was a uh, reference, you know, the singularity of this, why it's not a plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. His take was that the reason that it's set apart from a singular standpoint that we can recognize that if any of the nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit is missing, then it's counterfeit fruit. Think about that for just a second. Like nine elements, and we don't even know if this is an exhaustive list right like we don't even know if paul's saying like there is nine only nine and there shall be no more we don't know but we know that there's at least nine and he's writing and saying that the evidences of the fruit of the spirit is love joy Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and what this one brother is is suggesting is that if any one of those nine are missing, then it's not the fruit of the spirit. That frightened me this week, if I'm being honest with you, because as I'm doing self examination, as I am looking, I am going, oh. <laughs> Jesus, I need help. Like, I need help. Anybody else think that as you're hearing this is like, wow. It is a singular fruit. Nine, at least nine elements of a singular fruit, fruit. And if you remove even one from this equation, it's removing the title of fruit of the Spirit. So, here's the weight that I kind of want this to, to bear on us just a little bit. We, we, we talked out of Corinthians six nineteen last week about, you know, that, that you're the temple. You're hosting the presence of God and that we need to take care of it. We need to honor the spirit and the presence by, by you know, honoring our bodies and doing well as a temple of God. And we let that weight kind of bear down on us. I want, I want to let another contextual weight from Scripture really bear down on us because this, is the, this list that we learn songs about as we're growing up, we memorize as the fruit of the Spirit, these aren't suggestions as to how we should be living. Paul is introducing this as a, if you're a believer, if you're following Jesus Christ, if his Spirit dwells within you, then these should be evident in your life. These should be functioning in your life. And I'll speak for me when dependent upon me, I'm sub 500 on this list, all right? But here's where holy spirit begins to settle into our lives and dwell in our hearts because i think many of us may be sitting here thinking right now i i i i, I don't know if i'm ever going to get there i, I don't know if this is possible because it, it changes doesn't it when it but when it moves from a cute little song we learn in children's church into the weight of this is actually the evidence of whether god's spirit is dwelling in you or not it takes on a whole new gravity in our lives i want to give us two passages of scripture because we see the fruit of the spirit here that's galatians 5 22 23 let's back up just a few verses And Paul begins to tell us, at verse 19, what the fruit of the flesh is. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things alike. I warn you as I warned you as before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, if we're putting the two lists side by side, we may be appalled by one of them and encouraged by another, but we also have to make the recognition that in and of ourselves, and our own flesh, one list is much easier for us than the other list. Amen? I mean, let's just be real. Like, listen, while some of those things on that list Absolutely turns our stomachs to think about and may disgust us. It's a whole lot easier for us in this fleshly body to go, listen, I can do those. I do those without even trying. These others, this patient stuff? What's he talking about? Self control. You expect me to love that person? Do you realize they're the opposite political party than I am? I'm not going to meddle not going to meddle <laughs> come on ben we talked about this this morning like, you want me to really love them you want me to be patient in this god do you not know it's like okay strife oh yeah we can strife oh yeah i can do that <laughs> bam <clears throat> told them we we see the war here you know paul writes and tells us that the flesh wars against the spirit and that's what we battle against in our lives is this this flesh that's constantly playing this tug of war with the Spirit, where Paul's writing in Romans chapter 7, and I, can, I, can, I don't ever identify with Paul any more than I do in that passage where he says the things that I want to do, that I know I should do, are the things that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, the things that I know I shouldn't be doing, those are the things that I find myself doing. O oh, wretched man am I, who shall save me from this body of death? Anybody else identify with that? It's like, listen, I know what I need to be doing, and I really kind of want to be doing this. But I find myself doing that. And I don't want to be doing this stuff, but that's I should be doing that. I don't. Who's going to help me? Well, good news. There's someone to help us with that. Someone came, bled, died, rose again, ascended, sent. A helper, God the Holy Spirit, so that when we face these things, this tug of war, this flesh versus spirit, we have someone that's on our side, that's leading us, that's guiding us, that's inspiring us, that's empowering us to live the way that God wants us to live. But the beautiful thing about Scripture is we see examples of this. We see illustrations of this. And I want you to turn to John chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to read the first five verses. Probably a fairly familiar passage of Scripture to anyone who, um, who's been in church for any length of time. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He was like, I'm the vine, you're the branches fruit is produced that way if you're not connected to the vine then you're not going to produce the fruit of the kingdom because apart from me you can do nothing so what we see here is we see the vine of the spirit and that is jesus christ living dying resurrecting and then ascending but not leaving us alone. Remember last week we saw out of John also, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you. And that confused the disciples because all of a sudden Jesus left. But then he said, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you a helper. My Holy Spirit, the very presence of God dwelling inside of us, it's that vine that we are connected to today that helps us to produce fruit of the kingdom of God. Does it make sense? It's like Jesus is saying I'm the vine here. In our context, in our day, it is his Holy Spirit that's living in us that we have to be connected to in order to produce kingdom fruit that's how big of a deal and how critical of a role his holy spirit plays in our lives disconnected from holy spirit disconnected from christ simple as that jesus had to come to be that vine because no one before him could do it and no one after him could do it like All other reasons that Jesus came to sacrifice, to live sinlessly, just as that, no one else could ever, will ever be able to be a substitution for Jesus as being the true vine. Never. Don't care how good a person that they might be. They're going to fall woefully short. And again, a beautiful thing about God's Word is that we have an example of that. And I think that this may hit home with with a few of us in here this morning. Turn into the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. And we're going to be reading the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 5 also. Verse 1 starts by saying, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it up and cleared it of its stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? A little backdrop into this parable that Isaiah just just provided us here. This is a song. He, he's, he's he's writing a song. The first four chapters of Isaiah is nothing but God's judgment on the nation of Israel. And I love this kind of flow that we see here. Isaiah writes the first four chapters. He's like, you know what we need now? (laughs) We need a song. Told everybody about how angry God is, how much judgment's coming, how much wrath is coming. We need to break out into a limerick or something. And then he writes this song about God's judgment but this gives us a really clear vision as to what happens when we try to produce fruit for God without the dependency on him himself let's look at this let's look at this we're going to disarm some arguments here in just a minute but let's look again okay so I planted a vineyard on a very fertile hill, very fruitful hill. I dug it out. God dug it out and cleared the stones. I I don't know how many of you have had any type of gardening or farming uh, experience in your past, in your history um i used to think it was the coolest thing in the world that my dad would let me go into the garden after he had plowed it after he had tilled it up and after he was he was working it and let me get like the big rocks out of it because he was like son just throw them as far as you want to and i'm like a man was a genius because i'm like okay dad <laughs> yeah. i was playing a game out of it but you know it's like he, you remove the stones so there's no hindrances for the crop to grow Right? it's like if you plant something and then it grows and it runs into a stone then it either stops growing or has to grow around it and it takes on the shape of the stone and god's saying i removed all the stones you're all, you're on a fruitful hill i've removed the stones from it i've planted it with the choice vine which means the best vine like there's going to be no finer product that can be planted here so it's it's the ground's already proven to be fruitful stones are out of it you've got the best vine that's being planted i built a watchtower in the midst of it we've got somebody watching out for the for the vineyard for the crop that we're growing there's a watchtower that can see attacks coming i put a wine press in it so the very thing that you need to extract the valuable thing that's growing here i've already put it in you don't even have to take it anywhere you've already got it in here and I looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Now, the, the, the word wild right there is probably not the greatest translation. Probably far more accurate as stinky grapes. Rotten grapes. Worthless grapes. So, what's God saying here? He's saying that even in the perfect environment— even in the perfect soil, with the best vine, with the best protection, with no hindrances in the midst of anything, even where you don't have to leave, you don't even have to take a step out of the vineyard in which you're growing to process and get the valuables out of it, even in the perfect environment, when we are the ones in charge of what's growing, it stinks. It's rotten, it's worthless it's no good. And then he goes on and makes this statement. And unless I am wrong, and I've looked pretty, pretty in depth at this, not saying that this is a definitive 100% statement, but this is the only time that I can find where God just outright in scripture says, I need you to judge me right now. Because in verse 3, he says, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for this vineyard that I have not already done in it? See, Isaiah 5, 1 through 5, gives us a beautiful example of what our life currently today means without the Holy Spirit inspiring us, Holy Spirit dwelling in us, Holy Spirit leading in us, us following the the leading and the longing and being sensitive to Holy Spirit. Because once we begin to take this, 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 this element of this vineyard in our lives that we look around and we start disqualifying because of all of these things that are wrong the Holy Spirit begins to look and say it doesn't matter because when I am present when I am the vine then you're going to produce what God wants you to produce if you're waiting on things in your life to be perfect and you think that's going to help you grow good fruit but you're trying to do it apart from the holy spirit it stinks it's rotten So, if you're just like, oh, God, I want to do so much for God, but if only this, if only I had a better job, if only I had a family, if only I had this, if only I had more money, if only I had more influence, if only I had more standing, if only I had, if only, if only, if only. We tend to do that, don't we? Like, we begin to try to make excuses and give reasons for why we're not producing the way that God wants us to to produce but then we look in scripture and we see where God says that it can be absolutely perfect in your life. But if you're not completely dependent upon Holy Spirit, then what you produce is unacceptable to God. Fast forward to Jesus in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches, whose abiding in me, remaining in me, you're going to produce much fruit. Now, I kind of want to bring things, start bringing things to a close with this thought of living our lives as Christians without any other options, okay? To live optionless. Here's why I say that. Because if we look, if you continue to read and you study in depth that passage out of John fifteen, you see that Jesus, I am the vine; you are the branches. And we're like, yes, that's such an awesome thing, God. I just want to produce fruit. And then He says, if you produce fruit, and He's like, yes, God, yes, that's what I want to do. Do you want to produce more fruit? Yes, God, I want to produce more fruit. I'm going to have to prune you. Uh, yes, God. Wait, what? I thought. Sorry. I thought you said prune. Oh, that's what you said. Okay. Anybody else up there? I can talk to. By any chance? Okay. We 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 get this impression, and we allow the devil to discourage us, because we think that when we're connected to the vine, and we begin to produce fruit, that life's going to get easier. Has that ever worked out for anyone? No. We all face dark times. We all face difficult circumstances, tough situations, things that really try our faith. You may be, and very likely are, facing one right now. But it's through the power of God's Holy Spirit that even in the midst of a lost and dying world, gives us hope helps us to produce helps us to continue even when it's pruning even when it's painful even when it hurts the holy spirit's like i got you i am right here and here's what i mean by optionless christianity living in a way where we have no other options one of the best definitions of self-control fruit of the spirit one of the best definitions of self-control that i have personally ever heard was this that in a believer's life self-control is not defined by how many things we say no to it is by saying such a resounding yes to the one thing that there are no other options now are there things in your life you need to say no to absolutely But if you're saying no to them and the primary motive is just to say no to them because you shouldn't be doing them, eventually they're going to catch up to you. And that no is going to become a yes. And you're going to wind up doing something you shouldn't be doing. But whenever that self-control becomes, I'm saying no to this, not because I know I shouldn't do it. It's just because I've said such a resounding yes to Jesus Christ in my heart. If it doesn't line up with who he is, it's not even an option. I am so committed, I am so focused, I am so passionately living and driven to seek Him, to draw closer to Him, to grow in my faith, to grow in my love, to know Him more, that if there's anything that comes along that could possibly, even remotely, uh, pull me away from Him, it goes from not even being a consideration, because if it's not propelling me closer to Jesus Christ, I'm not even considering it. It's not even an option. I've got one option. and His name is Jesus Christ. And you know what? When I get to the end of this life, if that doesn't work out for me, I don't know what's going to happen. But there's nothing in this life that's going to change that. Because my option is him, him crucified, him buried, him raising again, him seated at the right hand of Christ, or seated at the right hand of the Father, and whose spirit dwells in me currently. That is my option. Anything other than that is an automatic no, not because it's what I I should be doing. It's just because it takes me away from him. And that's what the enemy wants in your life is he wants you to be focused completely away from the Savior, that that his presence dwells inside of you. I want to ask the praise team, if they would, to come back up this morning. We talked a little bit last week about uh, that the inspiration, the illumination of the Holy Spirit in regard to him being the author of the Word of God. And I made the statement that if, you're, if you've memorized the Word of God, but you're still a jerk to people, then we're reading different books because I don't see how you can be a jerk to people. I don't see how you can have bad attitude constantly. I don't see how you can walk in judgment. I don't see how you can have those types of things evident in your life. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know if we was having a Christmas story moment there with Jacob Marley bringing John. I didn't know what was happening. Sorry. <laughs> Where was I? I completely derailed off of that one. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Don't be a jerk. But it's the same with the fruit of the spirit. If you're claiming to be a believer in Jesus Christ, but you don't have the fruit of the spirit at least somewhat evident in your life you may want to examine where you believe you stand in jesus if you're still a jerk and you have not love mm. if you're not patient if you're not showing self-control if you don't have kindness gentleness goodness if those aren't evident in your life then maybe we need to be examining this morning what kind of relationship we have with jesus christ now this morning here in just a moment we're going to have people coming up for you to pray with and i want to give you the opportunity that if you're here and you've never given your heart to the to the lord you've never responded to his calling as lord and savior i want to urge you to come and do that but i also if you're here this morning and, and this fruit of the Spirit concept is really weighing heavy on you through this message that you see some deficiencies, some dysfunction in your heart that's saying, you know what, I'm, I believe, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ, but man, I struggle with these things. And I want to encourage you to come and pray also. Prayer team, if you would, please come on up. Everyone else, let's stand to our feet and let's sing this morning.
1: Sim
2: go ahead with our announcements while they're talking for a minute Um, the chosen class is meeting here tonight at 6 p.m. here in the main church Um, the youth group is actually going to KCU the middle and high schoolers are going to KCU tonight for their worship night so you can either uh, bring your kid there to the um, to KCU Chapel at 6 or if the kid if your kid needs a ride bring them to the church here at 515 and we will transport them Um, The the younger kids programming is still on here at the church at 6 p.m. And they're going to be doing some projects here around the church. So that'll be a fun thing. Um, Also, the senior ministry lunch is coming up. It's on May 2nd at the KCU cafeteria at 1130. And then the other thing is they're still taking pictures for the church directory back here in the choir room after church today. And then also again on April 30th. So, So if you haven't had your... Um, picture for the church directory made today and next Sunday, you can still do that. Um, okay, Ben's coming up.
0: Okay, hey, me again. He thought, Christy, don't run off too far. You still got to pray for us. I thought she was getting out of that. <laughs> All right, um, guys, this is Toby. Everybody say hi, Toby. Uh, Toby has been baptized about four years ago, uh, but he has come forward today, and he just wants to publicly rededicate his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. Uh, so we just want to take a moment and celebrate with him, and I would just, uh, before Christy prays, I'd just like for you to join with me in in praying over our brother here, okay? So Father, we just, uh, we thank you uh, for everything you're doing. We, we praise you for Toby, for his heart, for that, that continually drawing uh, back in and god i think each and every one of us uh could uh could testify and praise you that uh that you continually draw us unto yourself so father i just pray for strength uh for boldness and courage moving forward in my brother's life and we just stand here today celebrating the rededication and him turning his focus and his gaze completely back on you in the name of jesus we pray amen and congratulations brother proud of
2: you man OK, let's close with a word of prayer. God, I, I thank you so much um, for another day of life, um, this wonderful and difficult life. And um, I just I thank you for this church. I thank you for being here with us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that um, he was here today. And um, God, I just pray that we are so full of, of your word and of your Holy Spirit that, that the fruits just come just bursting out of us. In a beautiful way, um, to all of those around us, we just we just want to focus everything that we do on you, not on earthly things, and um, we just want to point everybody that we encounter towards you. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit just empowers us to do that every day, uh, with every interaction, every word, and every thought. Um, we th- I thank you for every every good thing. We know that all good things come from you, and I I pray that. You know, in those times when you are pruning us, um, that you just help us to remember that it's, it's only for the purpose of refining us and making us better. We just want to live our best life for you. We love you, and we thank you so much for all that you've done, most importantly, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, our hope. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.